Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco. There's no end in sight for a strike which saw almost 2,000 Kaiser mental health care workers walk off the job yesterday in Northern California and the Central Valley. KQED health correspondent Leslie McClurg reports from the picket line in San Francisco. Kaiser, Kaiser, can't you see? This is a health emergency. The workers carry signs that read patients over profits. Alexis Petrakis is a clinical psychologist in Petaluma. She says caseloads are unrelenting. I'm currently booked out six weeks. So I meet somebody new, they tell me their story, and maybe they even are honest about trauma that they've experienced. I try to find a 30-minute phone call just to check in. It's not the care that I know that they deserve, and I know how to do it. The striking workers say Kaiser needs to hire more staff to ease the burden. Kaiser says it's trying, but it's up against a national shortage of mental health providers. No date has been set yet for negotiations. For the California Report, I'm Leslie McClurg. In other labor news, warehouse workers at an Amazon Air Freight facility in San Bernardino County walked off the job yesterday. The group, Inland Empire Amazon Workers United, says about 160 employees walked out at the San Bernardino International Airport facility. The workers are demanding higher pay and say they're often working in unsafe working conditions caused by excessive heat. Amazon tells the Los Angeles Times that the number of employees that walked out was actually closer to 70. And the company offers competitive pay and a quote-unquote safe work experience. Down south, the number of people hospitalized after falling from the border wall is on pace to surpass last year's record. KPBS border reporter Gustavo Solis spoke with UCSD Health's head of trauma about the alarming numbers. UC San Diego Health is on pace to receive a record number of patients who fell off the border wall this year, over 300, up from last year's 270. Dr. Jay Doucette says that there are so many border fall victims that they've set up a special ward in the hospital just for them. It's not getting any better. The number of border falls is continuing to be the same or a little bit higher. Doucette says that he's noticed the number of patients increase since the implementation of Title 42, a Trump-era policy that blocks asylum to most migrants. He's also noticed more severe injuries since the 17-foot-tall border wall was replaced by a 30-foot wall. 
The most common injury we'll see would be a, a fracture of uh, the lower leg. And frequently, those fractures are open. That is, the bone has come out through the skin. It's a nasty kind of fracture. For the California Report, I'm Gustavo Solis in San Diego. Los Angeles District Attorney George Gascone will not face a recall election, county officials announced Monday. KQED politics correspondent Marisa Lagos reports. Critics of DA Gascone, led by prosecutors in his own office, have once again failed to get the more than 560,000 signatures necessary to place a recall before voters. It's the second failed attempt to recall Gascone in less than a year. Los Angeles elections officials said that only about 520,000 signatures of the more than 700,000 turned in by recall proponents were found to be from valid L.A. County residents. Gascon, a former San Francisco DA and police chief, was elected in L.A. in 2020 after running on a platform of criminal justice reform. His sweeping policies, including barring the charging of juvenile offenders as adults and limiting the use of the state's three strikes law, immediately angered prosecutors in his office and others. The recall's failure comes just two months after San Francisco voters ousted their progressive DA in a recall. For the California Report, I'm Marisa Lagos. A federal judge has denied a request to make immediate changes to San Diego County's jail policies in an effort to curb the number of deaths of people who are incarcerated. The ruling stems from a lawsuit from attorneys representing inmates, claiming the county's policies do not go far enough when it comes to protecting people who are behind bars. The attorneys were seeking an injunction that would have required the San Diego County Sheriff's Department to focus on measures like preventing drug overdoses and improving safety checks for inmates. So far, there have been 15 deaths in county jails this year. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. In other news, new research suggests climate change is increasing the likelihood of California-wide mega floods. KQED climate reporter Ezra David Romero reports. A mega-flood in 1862 turned central parts of the state into a vast inland sea. Warming temperatures have already doubled the risk of this type of inundation, brought on by a succession of storms, lasting for as long as a month. UCLA's Daniel Swain says California could have as many as four mega-floods this century. The problem is we built our infrastructure assuming these events were very rare. Now, there's something that we should be expecting and also larger than when we plan for water infrastructure. He says the findings are a warning of what the future could look like and that the frequency of mega floods is largely dependent on how the U.S. and world address climate change. For the California Report, I'm Ezra David Romero. A year ago today, the Calder Fire burned through the small town of Grizzly Flats in Northern California. The fire destroyed more than 400 homes, about two-thirds of the community. 
A new investigation from CAP Radio and the California Newsroom found the U.S. Forest Service predicted for decades a wildfire could devastate Grizzly Flats. But its plan to protect the town didn't get done. Scott Rod reports. Mark Almer is one of the lucky ones. His home is still standing, but his view is now mostly scorched trees and empty foundations. It's uh, kind of lonely around here now. Nearly two decades ago, the U.S. Forest Service gave a presentation showing how wildfire could level Grizzly Flats, and they modeled a fire that mirrored what happened last year. They showed a fire that could potentially wipe out our community within 24 hours. It wasn't 24 hours, but it was close in the Caldor fire. So Elmer, a retired fire inspector, got to work. He helped create a volunteer group of residents called the Grizzly Flats Fire Safe Council. They raised money through community barbecues and wine tastings. They wrote grants. All told, they tackled nearly $2 million worth of fire prevention projects. The Forest Service, meanwhile, removed some excess trees and brush, but most of it was miles from town. It wasn't until 10 years after the community meeting that the agency announced a plan to protect Grizzly Flats, called the Trestle Project. It promised to reduce fuels in overgrown forests and set prescribed fires on 15,000 acres around the community. Fire ecologists say this work is essential to reducing catastrophic wildfires, and we don't have any time to waste. But the history of the Forest Service in the time that we lived there was that everything took forever. Kathy Melvin was a member of the Fire Safe Council. She lost her home of four decades in the Caldor Fire. It would take years and years and years for anything to get done. The Forest Service originally said it would finish the Trestle Project by 2020. The agency later pushed back the date by about a decade. Our investigation found they finished only 14 percent of the planned work before the Caldor Fire, which grew to one of the most destructive blazes in state history. Forest Service officials say they faced a series of hurdles in getting the work done. Pushback from environmental groups, staff shortages, and climate change, which has reduced opportunities to set prescribed burns. But the biggest problem, they say, was money. You know, that's not make any bones about this. We did not have the funding to do the level of work that needs to be done out there. Randy Moore is chief of the U.S. Forest Service. He's optimistic that billions of dollars recently allocated by Congress will jumpstart this work. He declined to weigh in on whether completing the Trestle Project would have protected Grizzly Flats. I, I, I'm not really sure, um, you know, why we keep talking about that question. Others had a lot to say. We spoke to a dozen sources, including wildfire experts, career firefighters, residents, and former Forest Service officials, who believe Grizzly Flats would have stood a better chance of surviving the fire if the Forest Service had finished the Trestle Project. That includes retired District Ranger Dwayne Nelson, one of the project's key architects. I think there would have been a very high probability that Grizzly Flat would not have burned in the Caldor Fire. It could have meant survival. Last year, he watched as the Caldor Fire consumed his former district. I'm not going to say I felt guilt, but what I did feel was remorse. Nelson says he's proud of the plan his team laid out to protect Grizzly Flats and proud of the work that had gotten done. But he says there was still plenty left to do when the Caldor Fire devastated this small community. For The California Report, I'm Scott Rod in Grizzly Flats. You can read the full investigation on our website at kqed.org. And that's the California Report for Tuesday, August 16th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day.
Support for the California Report comes from Stanford HealthCare, alerting listeners to the critical blood shortage in the area. Now's the time to donate blood and make a difference. StanfordBloodCenter.org. Paint Care. Now with 834 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at PaintCare.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute. Coming this fall, the launch of research vessel FALCOR-2, advancing the frontiers of ocean science and exploration on the web at SchmidtOcean.org. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! <laughs> <laughs> 